Hello, Jenna. Hello, Ellie. Happy day. I sound awesome uh, because oh. I have because I have a cold. <laughs> I sound like a frog. Uh, Tis the season. Luckily, in this episode that we're about to play, I don't sound like a frog. <laughs> that is true. We had a, <laughs> a chat with the delightful Allison. Yep, Allison uh, Gretz. Yes, she's fantastic. Uh, interesting to hear how she went from from Target, some some big leadership kind of team leadership roles to her own coaching business. Um, and I thought one thing that stood out to me, really great self-awareness of the role that she saw for herself in in seeing that uh, she could move from leading kind of the big design teams, big product teams herself to coaching the people who lead those teams and, and just kind of feeling out that that was what she was most interested in and best at. So pretty cool. Yeah, she's very cool. Um, so I think that that is part two of our small theme of new business owners. Uh, yes. And of course, we're headed toward, we're rocketing toward part three. Woohoo, drum roll. With, uh, what's the news newsroom sound? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Uh, I need a nap. Um, the part three is, of course, a live episode on January twenty yeah, third, yeah. January twenty third at the Astor River Room, and it is a party in two parts. One is a live ep- <laughs> one is a live episode, and two it's a launch party for Gray Cardigan from episode 54 spectacular so you don't uh folks you don't want to miss it that was tuesday january 23rd uh, i believe ellie the doors will open at five the recording yes. will start at six yes. um and then you have to go home by eight yes because yeah. it's it'll bedtime be amazing. After that. it is <laughs> yeah and that sounds pretty spectacular cool live podcast well, and launch party don't miss it Yes, be a party. We'll, we'll post an event right so that you can register in the next few days. Meanwhile, here's episode 55. For you in the same pleasure. Enjoy. Enjoy. Good day, uh, Allison and Jenna. <laughs> I was going to say good morning and then good afternoon and I realized... Who knows good when they'll be listening? And good night. I think it's that's getting dark. Show. Yeah. Yeah. Good day. Uh, hello. Uh, I'm Ellie Rader. I'm here with Jenna Alden. Hello. And Allison Gretz. Hey, everyone. And we're talking to Allison today about a new company she has begun and uh, very excited what that's all about and what some of the um, challenges and, and excitements have been um, mm-hmm. and on that journey. And it's I hope I in... can answer some of these questions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Well, you'll do what every small business owner does and you'll make it up as you go. That's exactly, I think, the number one lesson so far. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Nice. Started at the top. <clears throat> number one, <laughs> write that down. <laughs> Fake it till you make it embody it until you become it that's my version of fake it till you make it that's quite fancy quite fancy 
Yeah, yeah. but it just for me it's a nice yoga hoodie. Faking, yeah, faking it doesn't feel authentic. But there's still a gap <laughs> between <laughs> like feeling competent <laughs> doing something and certainly where I'm at now on some of my journey. Um, yeah. But if I can embody it and I can practice it and I can try things out, I build those muscles until it feels more natural. Yeah. Amazing. I love that. That's cool. I do too. <clears throat> so Allison, see you're... how you might be good at this coaching thing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You, so your background, just for our listeners, mm-hmm. um, is coming from more of a corporate world. Um, I met you uh, when you were very, also very fancy um, design leader at Target. Yeah, and Ooh. that was that was a that was a heavy job. I remember it um, was. I remember that time, and I was so impressed. Uh, but then you went on to you know to more. Uh, to more similar work in other places and have, have dabbled around, but um, well, more than dabbled. I mean, you, uh, you led big things and big teams and, and big adventures, but um, as you have progressed in your career, it led you to this. So. Yes, I have some, I'll jump in a uh, question. Allison, if you would tell us a little bit about uh, the business that you started recently um, how are you helping people? And maybe a little bit about what did the road look like um, to identify this opportunity and then make that leap? Absolutely. And I think you're right. It's been an interesting road and a lot of dabbling and experimentation and, and figuring it out um, and applying that, embody it until you become it. I think on every step, Ellie, since we met, goodness, 10 years ago or so now, um, and after the big role at Target, I started leading larger and larger teams. I started leading a large team in March of 2020, and the race kind of didn't stop from there of growing as a leader, um, leading bigger teams, leading global teams, leading leaders of other leaders, and very much uh, evolved as a leader. And along that whole time, I kind of in the background had been pursuing a certification in coaching. And I started an LLC to do some of that coaching work a couple of years ago. And then as I got different opportunities, it sat kind of on the side and I thought, oh, I'll, I'll get back to that. I'll get back to that. And in the past year, I've made a, a big switch and fully leapt out on my own under that banner of design by design. And I do several things and I've been saying the past six months of really leaping out into my own thing has been a bit of finding my own product market fit, especially in this environment. It's been a very strange year in the design field, a lot of layoffs at big companies and a lot of folks in the market, freelancing, doing a lot of things. I also wasn't sure with those changes, can design leaders reach out to a coach like me who wants to help design leaders? Do do people have funds to pay for this? A a lot of companies have canceled their L&D budgets, for example. So there's really three arms that I've been experimenting with. The first, and I'm so passionate about this, is working with leaders in creating psychologically safe and neuro-inclusive workplaces through leadership development. So really teaching new skills for leaders to be nurturing the environments that we all want to be a part of working in, in the future. The second has been teaching online 
And that's been a whole wild ride of learning software, re-tapping into some marketing skills from my background, uh, just jumping into so many things that I don't know how to do, but being able to bring my lessons to more people and make that accessible. The third part is individual coaching and working with individuals on their leadership journey, either to push through something or help them get clarity or support them through a big transition or finding their next gig. And between all three of those things, I've been staying really busy and really <laughs> refilling my cup after a busy few years leading large teams. There is so much to unpack there. One maybe <laughs> side side question first. I'm kind of fascinated. So it sounds like before you made the decision, before you had the ideas even of, of what your market might be, you had this coaching certificate in the back. Was that something that you had seen? Did you always have a sense that you might want to do something? Um, you know, did you think it might be a side gig? I th that's just fascinating to have that in the back pocket. Yeah, it was as I started leading teams, you know, while I was at Target, actually, they had a stellar um, internal development opportunity where they gave me a little glimpse into a way of showing up as a leader through showing up as a coach. And it was transformative, just this idea of being able to ask your directs and others powerful questions that created more autonomy, more buy-in, and more... Um, you know, more passion in that individual when it was focused on their journey and not myself as a leader telling them what to do. And I immediately started asking everyone I knew who called themselves a coach, how did you learn how to do this? Where did you go? Um, and I found a local company here that I'm happy to give a prop to called Learning Journeys, who's based out, um, they used to be based out of Woodbury and they do a lot of online and, and digital things now. But they were absolutely fantastic. And throughout the years, I just kept taking additional classes. I was just obsessed. I wanted more, more, more. I even, um, while I was on maternity leave with my daughter, I would just bring her in the car seat <laughs> and do a coaching course. And eventually, there was nothing in the way of becoming certified through the International Coaching Federation. And that made me really feel like, okay, this is something that I'm so passionate about. I've woven it into how I show up as a leader and how I teach my leaders, but now I can have impact by teaching that at scale. Alison, what does it mean to be a coach versus other types of leadership? What, what's the difference? I think the biggest thing is recognizing that the individual in front of you is wholly capable of answering their own questions, solving gnarly puzzles, finding paths forward. And instead of telling them based on your professional experience, what you would do or what you think they should do, you create space to explore that with them. You ask them questions. You ask things like, you know, what are your goals with this project? How will you know you're successful? What might get in your way versus telling them, here's a project you should do. Here's how you need to do it. And here are the roadblocks to watch out for. And what I noticed, the more that I put my coaching hat on as a leader, the more independent my team members became, the more 
they were able to tackle their own problems themselves or lean on each other. And that allowed me as a leader to focus further ahead on what might be coming next for the team. So it really was a win-win style um, that I find I just took really naturally to. I think the complete opposite of a leader as coach is a leader who is command and control and has to know every single detail and maybe is experienced as a micromanager. We've all worked for that person. We've all worked for that yeah. person. And I learned I did not want to be that person. Well, so much think... so that the opposite was what I wanted to be. <laughs> I think we've we found for all of us my apologies but I think what I found in working for leaders that were more like that is that I didn't do my best work no no it creates such an environment of judgment like no matter when you're trying to please those people you get it wrong and they would have done it differently anyway and then oh my reaction isn't to try to please <laughs> oh <laughs> maybe that's my <laughs> that's my stuff showing up I'm, I'm like, not on please. the people pleaser spectrum at all <laughs> You and I are opposites. In in those environments, I get very, um, yeah, I go into people pleasing mode and I do everything to please that person and get the A, right? Like I'm your typical hyper-achieving A plus student. And, and it's when you're just a, a toxic thing. It is. And when you're a very capable person, that can take you in a lot of directions. Like yes. you will learn entire new skill sets. You will like head in a completely different direction. You you talked about loving the coaching. Mm -hmm. I've had I've had points in my career where, it, like you're saying, I, I'm trying to deliver on someone else's vision of what needs to happen, and that usually ends up working out terribly. And then I get fed up, and then I, I think I switch to Ellie's version, which is like, okay, fine. Um, mm -hmm. I'm just gonna go do my own thing that I love and at least enjoy it and learn something and and give it my all and we'll see where that takes me and that has generally served me far better yeah well, I absolutely I also think you know when I have when I coach clients now and when I've taught and coached team members in the past they're gonna surprise you and they're gonna yes. approach it in a different way or your interpretation of a problem is not how they're interpreting it and totally. so if you jump in and shortcut that person you're shooting them and you're kind of bringing your power dynamic into it and almost telling them that they're wrong totally. when you don't know that they're wrong they're just doing it in a different way than you did and there's nothing wrong with that yeah. in fact one of one of my happiest moments in career life anything is when you are working with someone and they start to do something different and the the leader in you says cool. We'll let, I'm, I'm going to let them see this through. You know, I'm going to stay close. I'm not, I'm not sure want to help support. And then it works. And you're like, yes, it got done. It's great. And I didn't have to do it. Like the, the joy in, in delegating and elevating and having mm -hmm. things get done that you don't have to command and control is it's just amazing. It's such a great feeling. So and like you said, Allison, it, it's so good to also see um, someone else succeed and to see them learn a thing and to you you then learn like oh that's a different way to do it I didn't know I that never would, would have thought of it that way mm. you know or even just words you know if you ask someone how they're feeling or you try to interpret how they're feeling the meaning that they assign to a word could be completely different to your understanding and meaning so trying to stay completely neutral I think of it as put, putting on my user research hat too you want to stay neutral you don't want to lead them one way or another 
that now it's probably worth saying sometimes as a manager, you have to, right? Maybe you're in a crisis mode, maybe you're in a performance situation, whatever it is, and you have to know when do I show up as a coach? When do I show up as a manager? Because we have to get to Z solution in X amount of time um, and how to dance between those things. And my, my favorite, when I knew I was successful in this kind of dancing between leadership modes, was one of my team members at Target, and she'll laugh if she listens to this, said, time out. I don't want Coach Allison right now. I actually need <laughs> you to tell me what to do. <laughs> and I love that she could just say that and it changed Very self-aware. Yeah. Yeah. Very she was like, time out. Please stop coaching me. <laughs> <laughs> don't make me answer this. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. So, Allison, we're, you know, we're coming out of, we're at the tail end. For those of you that listen to this episode far in the future, we're at the tail end of 2023, which is, you know, has been an economic, economically, (laughs) economically non-viable year. Uh, Just really, really brutal for many of us in the services industry. So there's. There's a combination. This is sort of like starting a new business in a recession, right? right. Definitely. So, um, you, you know, what obstacles have you have you faced? Because you've got a bunch of people that probably need your help more than ever because we're mm-hmm. we are burned out. We're tired. We're not. Um, we don't necessarily have the energy to bring our best selves to work. Hundred percent. Every single day, and yet. <laughs> the the economy it's very difficult to spend money on things as you mentioned companies cutting their L and D budgets yeah. and, mm-hmm. and so w- what has it been like for you as you start this out yeah I mean it's such a good question and I went into this knowing that even my assumptions or expectations could be entirely wrong. So for me, I had been saving a runway to starting my own business so that I could have the time before feeling that financial pressure on our mortgage and things that our kids needed and groceries. So I'm speaking from a place of privilege where I can say I'm I'm still in my runway. And as things have, you know, my first couple of months, I made no money. None at all. And I think anyone starting a business, you plan for those months of nothing, nada, Mm -hmm. but those were scary. And I will say I went to dark places on, you know, how I think about money. What's my self-worth like if I'm not earning a steady paycheck? Like these were fascinating times. And I spoke to my therapist a lot about some of these things. (laughs) And I just started experimenting. And part of what I really want to be true in all of this work is that coaching is accessible to people. So instead of forcing or, you know, having people have to buy a coaching package, I actually offer a la carte sessions. So if you can't make the financial commitment of a three month coaching plan, you can just get an hour. Like if you just need Allison in your pocket for an hour, that is accessible and it's right there. For my uh, design leadership accelerator, I actually opened that up to a pay what you can amount for folks. Once I had enough students in it to make it fine for me from a business standpoint, it then became, became pay what you can for anyone experiencing unemployment. And so those things of finding kind of the balance between what the market can pay 
and then what I can really compromise on, especially as I'm learning and figuring things out as I go, has been where I've been able to find the traction and kind of just make make things work. And I'm getting what I wanted out of it so far, which were what are the signals of the right direction? You know, where are people willing to pay me for X service and how much can people pay me? And I'm learning, you know, I, I have a free newsletter right now at a time where many, many people are trying to charge for newsletters. Um, but I'm not trying to learn how much can I earn through my writing. I'm trying to get my writing out there and build more of an audience so that maybe in six months or a year as learning budgets open up and people have maybe more cash to spend on things like coaching, like getting support, maybe I'll be top of mind for them when they can. You have such a huge advantage in coming from product. From the product world you mentioned mm -hmm. product market fit uh for those of us all three of us on this call are product nerds so for those listeners that are not product nerds product market fit is uh a, just a life skill <laughs> basically so. so to have that ingrained in in your behavior it's it's coming through as that's how you found your way yeah, and I'm experimenting. I mean, one of the things that I did right away was start to engage more in the startup community and spend time at Startup Week here in the Twin Cities. But that actually didn't lead to any work at all because there was this mis kind of conception of what is design and what are you talking about? And I realized I could go deeper on that, but the signals were telling me not to. So that's when I just kind of put that on the back burner um, like I started thinking, well, maybe I want to be a fractional chief design officer, but that's actually a really hard role to get because people don't understand design and when would I need that fractionally? So I put a pin in that for now, you know, so there's been experiments that have gone nowhere as well. Uh, but the thing that's really been but working for me, I learned so much. And even, um, you know, with online courses, there's so many different platforms. Where should you host it? Should it be live? Should it be all asynchronous? Um, there's so many different platforms and technologies. And I think you're right, Ellie, that my background has really set me up to be able to do this, especially as a designer, because I'm not afraid to experiment. I'm not afraid to try any new tool, platform, software, and just figure out how to use it. I dusted off my, you know, actual design skills and art direction skills and video editing skills and have just been having so much fun making again. And all of that has been necessary because I think the other huge learning has been you can create a course and it can be brilliant and it can be so um, helpful for people. But if nobody knows about it, no one can buy it. No one can support you in your business. You can't benefit anyone. So I've had to really go back and say, okay, how do small businesses market themselves? What is not only my product market fit, but my marketing message? You know, what is really viable for people, especially in this market? And those have been different hats to put on and a lot of um, experimentation and some failures in that space too. That was one of my big questions. How do you find people? How do they find you? Well, I think it's how do they find me is more of the question. And I've been experimenting. You know, I've been privileged that throughout my career, I've built a pretty 
substantial LinkedIn network. And I very quickly realized between some of the Instagram work I was doing and LinkedIn that LinkedIn was the place to be for me. And I think LinkedIn's having its moment right now with a lot of people um, starting to create more content on there. Um, but Instagram and other social media just wasn't really doing much for me. And it was a lot of work to try and maintain and do what all of the, you know, social influency people say you should be doing on these platforms, which isn't really authentic to me. Uh, mm -hmm. Believe it or not, I do not like talking about myself and I do not like being on video. So being forced to be on Instagram reels three or four times a day wasn't my jam. That but what I awful. love doing is awful. It's so terrible. Um, but the main feedback I would get was be on video more. And now my my course that I'm running right now is a lot of videos. <laughs> yeah, I've seen you do that. Uh, Jen is not on LinkedIn, so she has these questions. Oh, because... Jen. There's some pros and cons to that. Like, yes. I'm loving being able to spark a discussion. Or, you know, if I'm teaching on a topic or something comes up with a coaching client, I can offer an insight, right, and kind of spark a discussion. Or this week, I put a call out for more female executive design leaders, because I was feel I was hearing feedback from some recruiters that they weren't seeing any women in their pipelines, which is terrifying to me. Um, and so I find it to be this really professional, you know, network, but also very content based now. But you have to be adding true value, really, their algorithm is all around value and engagement. Mm -hmm. uh, but they don't want you taking anyone Sounds off good. the platform. So it's very difficult to also be trying to say, oh, hey, here's some value. And P.S. I have all these things over here. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Do you find, Allison, um, jumping back a little bit to the, you know, how do people find you? How do you connect? Um, mm -hmm. What is the selling process like <clears throat> for something like coaching? Like, how do you, how do you, I'd work with someone to understand like, yes, it, it's okay to get coaching, to have someone to ask you these questions, to bounce this conversation off of, because mm -hmm. it, it seems to me that the coaching, as you describe it, feels a little bit more personal. And I wonder if there's a different dynamic in selling that than, you know, in selling like, hey, here's a book off the shelf or something right. that's, that feels a little bit more external for folks. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, it's it's interesting because I think there's a couple steps there. And the first is somebody being a, aware that they need help or aware that they want a, a new perspective on something. And in my coaching training, we were very much taught, you know, sometimes somebody is coachable and sometimes they're not, right? If if you're not opting into working with a coach, and, and this does happen in some um, professional, you know, situations where maybe an employee is told, we need this to change, you now will be working with a coach. And that's a very different situation than how I work with people, but it does happen. So you have to think, Am I aware and ready to bring help in, in some fashion? And then you have to sift through, do I want a coach? Do I want a mentor? Should I be talking to a therapist? Um, which all are very different modalities of support. Now, a coach is in no way a trained therapist and should not be really used as one, but coaching can be very therapeutic at the same time because you are making progress through something that may have been a hang up for a long time. Um, 
And honestly, the way that I love to just get started with people is to have a quick chat with them. And I have this on my website. People can just book a quick chat and we just have a conversation like what's going on, what's brought them to think maybe coaching might be right for them. And then sometimes I might say, hey, I think we really need to work together one on one. I either, you know, I have two packages, one to get clarity, one um, to work through transitions or just a la carte as we get to know each other. Or if what they're really looking for is maybe aligned with one of my courses, because those are more accessible um, from a price point standpoint. And it's interesting because I think probably 50% of the time, what someone thinks they're coming to me for with coaching ends up (laughs) actually not being the root of what we're going for. Because they may be aware at that point of the barrier that they're bumping into or the problem that they can't ever seem to get past or the thing that's repeating itself. Maybe it's being passed over for promotion or getting the same feedback on communication style over and over again, for example. And they know, okay, I'm bumping into this again and again and again. I want something to be different. And I need someone to help me through that process with an ounce of accountability mixed in as well. Um, But half the time we realize it's actually about something else. And that could be limiting beliefs. It could be maybe you're on the wrong career path. Maybe you think you should be a manager of people, but you actually don't want that when you investigate your values and what brings you joy. Um, And so sometimes it can be a very windy road. But the most important thing for me is that it's their windy road and I'm there to help them dig deeper, have a transformative moment to get through whatever that thing is that maybe raised their awareness and brought them to seek support and a partner in that journey. Yeah, that's cool. Curious, Allison, for yourself, you talked about coaching folks through transition. I was just curious what led to your transition or or how did you decide to make the leap from like what you were doing before to kind of taking on this, this adventure of, you know, coaching and exploring product market fit um, using that runway that you had built up? What, what yeah. made your mind up? Well, I, I think I'd been thinking about it for a long time, Jenna. Um, you know, I think I've always known that I wanted to do my own thing. Even when I've had my very, very first graphic design position, um, out of college and I was coding things in flash, which dates me, <laughs> I knew, I thought I wanted to own my own design firm. And then I learned through working at firms and agencies that that was a lot of work and, you know, a lot of hourly based work and constantly drumming up, um, company new business. And so I've always thought I want to do something, but I didn't quite know what it was until I think I had gone through my coaching training. And then, you know, after leading teams through the pandemic, like huge teams, growing teams, reestablishing teams, global teams, I was really tired. And I've been quite public about online, like just experiencing bone deep burnout. But I had to take a big step back and kind of reassess as a human, the way that I am working is not working. And the way that our workplaces are right now are not healthy for me to have an impact in them anymore. Like I felt I'd done my part for now as an active leader in large organizations and that the best way I could continue to have impact 
was actually by supporting the leaders who are still there and believe in making work suck just a little bit less for everyone. <laughs> nice. That was That's amazing. Cool. Um, I'm going to bring us home. I'm going to reintroduce something that you probably remember, Allison, as a longtime listener and um, second time interviewee. I'm not sure. <laughs> guess. Do you see these adorable little cards? Yes, I do. Oh, the random question jar. I'm so excited. Yeah. So we put a note out on LinkedIn. Yes. And uh, had a Google form and we got many, many um, questions submitted. So I'm actually, uh, I have a whole stack of these. People can't see me, but I'm grinning from ear to ear. She's so excited. <laughs> um, and this is why why I did this and showed this to you on video so that you could enthuse our, uh, Jenna's word for the day is enthuse. Um, yes. You could en enthuse yeah. our audience about the random question chart, but I'm actually making starter packs of these to be given away at our live episode. That's I coming. just saved the date on my calendar too. Great. Okay. So excited to be there. So are you ready that for your That date is... January 23rd, January yes. 23rd, 2024. I already forgot, but it's on my calendar. <laughs> 2024. All right. Oh, this is a good question that I've drawn for you. Allison. I'm nervous. Hit me. Which, which fictional universe would you inhabit and why? Hmm. Oh, there's an obvious answer, and I'm trying to think of something that's less obvious, but I don't know if it's going to come to me. Just go with obvious. Harry Potter and the yes. Wizarding World. Yeah, I'm a yeah, huge Harry totally Potter great. nerd. That was, that was not obvious to me. <laughs> it wasn't obvious to you? Okay. No. Well, then maybe it's less obvious, but I mean, I remember waiting, and for those who don't know, I grew up in Scotland, which is, if you've been wondering where I'm from, that's the accent. We haven't. Is. <laughs> Someone who grew up in Scotland and then has lived in Minnesota for 20 years. But Harry Potter was just coming out when I lived in Scotland. And we had an actual mailman who would walk up the road. And that poor man had to carry these Harry Potter books up the road. And I would be waiting, you know, and so excited and then stay up for days until I had finished reading them. Oh, yeah. And it's now been such an amazing um bonding point with my son who's 11 and yes. read all of the books himself watched all of the movies and for his 10th birthday I actually took him to the wizarding world yeah. in Orlando at Universal yes. and so cool. it was just him and I you oh. know we left his younger sister <laughs> at home Magical. with dad and it was just magic to get wands drink butter beer go on all the right train we took the train. Yep. The oh, cool. only thing we did was both Harry Potter worlds. So we Excellent. did everything. Have you made butterbeer? No, I've never made it from scratch. It's easy. Well, I don't, I've we'll done have it. To link a recipe. Yep. Yes. Show okay, notes. Let, There's going to be a butterbeer recipe in the show notes. Let me write um, this down. Butterbeer. I just spelled that totally wrong. I'm also a huge Harry Potter fan, Allison. So to me, your answer was obvious in that, of course, that world would of be amazing. Course. Like yes. Harry Potter or Star Trek. Like, uh, yep, yep, yep. I was definitely raised more on the Trekkie side of things. 
And then the Harry Potter video game that came out, I don't know, a year or two ago has just, that's just been wonderful. So I don't even have so to like, imagine what it would be like phone to live in that world. You can just do it. <laughs> Is that the one on your phone where you like go capture the oh, no, creatures the in your neighborhood? Oh, okay. Super immersive open world game, which has always been my jam. Oh, yes. I remember that one. Yeah, good. Um, Allison, best to you um, in your coaching. Thank you. And you you all as well with rebooting professional humans. I'm so glad that the tip jar or the magical question jar or whatever you call it. (laughs) Random. 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 There we go. We'll get it. Yeah. Well, we'll see you in January at our live episode. I will see you there. All right. Thanks, Allison. Thank you, Allison.